Apocris Fox Sports. What did you think of NASCAR's decision to rescind Blaney's uh, disqualification, and how does that change any part of your outlook as far as how you race and who's who you're battling? Uh, it doesn't change anything as far as how I race. Uh, I think that's a, just a different sidebar, but uh, it was the right call. Even my crew chief mentioned that even that it was the right call at the time. Um, so I think they saw saw it coming, and so it's good that they got it right for sure. Chris Capehart basically said that you were hail melon last year, and I'm wondering what you remember about what Ross did on the final lap at Martinsville. Um, I, I mean, I don't remember anything about it except for what I was trying to do. And I, at the time, I, I just uh, – they were counting me off as I was – you know, as far as I could remember, we were dominating the race, and then um, we had a bad pit stop. Went back to seventh or eighth, and and then, you know, he said we got to get X amount of spots and very few laps. And so I was just trying to get every spot I could, and I remember him saying, you know, we were even, we're plus one, we're not plus two. Um, and I just remember being him saying we're plus two, you're good, down the back stretch because uh, I was battling Brad, I believe it was, uh, for one more position. And, and at that point, I'm thinking two cars. Um, I, I didn't need to push the envelope anymore. So, um, yeah, ended up minus something. Not really sure. But, I mean, all I remember is just, you know, him being right there beside me. So I, I wasn't sure how it happened. You weren't looking at an error. You were just mm -mm. And so it's just boom. Yeah, I had a little gap over whoever was behind me. So um, it was, it, it had gotten spread out there towards the end of the race. So, uh, you know, even though it was a short run, um, you know, there was, car was cars with tires, cars without. So I just remember, you know, seeing nothing and then, you know, being right beside somebody. Claire B. Lang, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio. You know, most fans, if they were extremely lucky, might get a ride along at a racetrack, but probably not. And as they watch you run high against the wall here, uh, it is probably out of the understanding for the average person to understand how you do that and what makes it possible. And you probably are one of the really good ones at doing it. Talk us through what that's like here, what you gauge, and how close you think you are to going over the edge. Yeah, I mean, certainly the, the closer you can get um, with a certain amount of speed, um, it, it's advantageous. It just, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a buffer there with the air that allows it, the car to stay right there off of it. But then there's also a bubble you can burst and it, and then it goes, um, if you, if you crush it too soon and then you go into the wall. So it's, it's definitely a very fine line. Um, a lot of it is also depending on, you know, the body of the car, uh, some, some bodies or, um, or it makes it advantageous to, to do that, you know, because of the way air wraps around the car. Uh, so it's just it, it definitely changes uh, Xfinity and Cup. It's all it's all different, but certainly it seems like the trend has been that um, it is at this track in particular being such low grip that the top line and using that air buffer gives you the extra amount of grip enough to where uh, it's it's always usually the fastest line if you can do it right. Uh, there's other times that um, you know you, you have to wait. To do it too you can't just jump there right on lap one um it's it's not going to be the fastest until the lap time reaches a certain time so it's you, you, it's definitely a game of that um and you know we saw you know just kind of last year it, it 
it didn't get going until a certain amount of time. Um, so you got to be able to work around other lanes as well to be good. Would you put yourself in the category of, say, Kyle Larson or Tyler Reddick and being able to run up in the high line near no. the wall and how much better you think you are at it now? I mean, I, you know, I've had some really – I mean, I've had some wins here, Darlington, all tracks where you run on the wall. Um, I, I, I think I'm better than average, but certainly not – not at the level that I feel like those two guys are in particular. Um, yeah, there's just they're willing to take a little bit more risk than I am. It just kind of depends on the scenario as well. Um, certainly, when you're going down to the end of the race and you need some spots here and there, uh, you're willing to push it a little bit more. Um, I just manage risk a little bit differently, and so I just I don't I'm not willing to fight for that little extra inch there to try to gain you know a really small amount of lap time if i can make that lap time somewhere else i'll do that so um yeah I, there's certain guys that are just a little better go ahead jared haas with frontstretch.com there was a racers form uh, this past weekend with jeff gordon brad kislowski and jeff gordon said that um, teams need to be more invested with themselves with you being an owner and a driver do you think the return on investment is more with the team um, focusing on the team or the driver itself yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure the context, uh, the whole context of it. Um, but it sounds like um, he wants the fans, the teams to resonate with the fans. Yeah, he um, wants fans to resonate with the teams more than with a driver. Yeah. Ah, good luck. I, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Um, it, just, it just doesn't. I think that our fans really latch on to a driver. It, it's seems like it's always been that way. I think that there'll be generally Hendrick Motorsports fans or Gibbs fans, but there's not, there's just not that many in order, you know, it's just different. Um, uh, it'll be, it'll be very, very tough to, to make that happen. Uh, and you know, what kind of campaign would it take to make that happen? I'm not sure, but it's the, the drivers are the stars and that's, that's where, that's where our fans are going to resonate to. Thank you. Go up here to Jordan. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Uh, do you have a favorite on-track Kevin Harvick story? Mm, I mean, every time I try to think of one, it's uh, it never. It was definitely not in my favor. That's for sure. Uh, I, you know, just kind of the battles we've had. Um, you know, in two thousand. Oh man, we've been around a long time. Um, I think it was 2020. Is that when we were, the two of us were winning all the races? I, I mean, just we had so many one-two battles um, in that year. Uh, I think one in particular, the Loudon one, was really interesting because, you know, he knew what I was thinking, but I thought I was playing a chess move ahead of him, and he clearly was onto it. Like it just. The way we kind of battled there at the end, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and certainly you know gained a lot of respect for him as a driver. Off the track, favorite story away from the track. Uh, gosh, I, I haven't had um, a lot of interactions with Kevin off the track, but one would be kind of when I was uh, vetting Kurt um, with some of his previous teammates. Uh, I went to lunch with. Uh, Kevin and just 
talked with them a little bit about, um, and this was kind of, we were only one year into our team or getting close to one year into our team and uh, just talking business and stuff with him and, and kind of stuff that he had learned uh, with KHI when he had it. Um, those were, that was really good conversations that I had with someone and that might've been the first time I'd, um, yeah, it was the first time that I had lunch with like a competitor that wasn't generally just a friend of mine. Uh, so that was a good conversation and, you know, just learned a lot from at during that moment and felt like, uh, you know, we, we talked about kind of how our crew chiefs work and how similar career paths and all that stuff that we had. So it was really cool. You both are kind of lauded for your leadership, right, in, in the garage. Um, so I'm curious, from your perspective, what have you seen from Kevin's leadership? Well, I certainly think he's very calculated. Um, you know, there's there's definitely he, – he likes to be in control. That's, that's for sure. Um, I think that uh, I, I really like the, his style and in the sense of, you know, how he, he leads. Um, and I, I believe that he's – you know, he's a very important person in the sport. I mean, he, in my opinion, he's, um, you know, a Jeff Gordon or Tony Stewart. When, you know, when he leaves, you're, you're going to notice that he's not there anymore. So um, I think that uh, he, he's certainly been a leader in the sport. And, he, you know, he's kind of the last real legacy guy that we've, we've got in our sport that, that used to know how it used to be, like, you know, really and truly. So... Uh, he's an important figure for sure. He's an important leader. He's an important voice for the drivers, and um, you know certainly we'll miss him on on this side. Okay, we got time for one more. We'll come up here to Jeff. You've obviously gotten to see Larson up close over the years. Do you have any theories on what makes him so good? Why is he able to do the things that he does? Um, other than other than. Um, you know, willing to take a few more risk? I, no, I, I don't think so. I, don't, I haven't noticed anything out of the ordinary. Um, you know, there are some very minor things here and there, uh, but I mean, obviously, nothing I would share publicly because it. You know, why would I tell? You know, if I study, why would I give out my information to, to others? Uh, so I don't. There's nothing that jumps off the page. No, there's nothing obvious that's, that's a lot different. There's just a couple real small things that are. 